0: My my we're gonna be talking from Proverbs the chapter thirteen, Proverbs chapter fourteen. We're gonna be talking from Second Timothy, so I'd encourage you to have your Bible ready. Thank you very much, Nick, and, and the gang, singers and all. Do a great job every week. And Sean and Billy and Erica will be going down and joining the Toronto brass to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It should be very cool down there. You've got to come join with us. Uh, the new bishop for the uh, the Catholic Church in this area, Bishop Montforten, will be there. And uh, he's a nice man. Met him Friday. But I want to continue talking about guardrails. Now, actually, we had some guests in here Thursday night, and and they didn't even say anything about it until I, because they thought at Word of Life anything is normal, you know. We can have anything here. We we never know what's going to happen, you know. But most churches don't have guardrails, the real thing, you know. And I went out to the uh, maintenance center out there by the the uh, where the state police are, and I asked the man. I said, I I want a guardrail. And he said, what? I said, I need a guardrail because I need Leonard and Dan to put it on a stand and put it in our thing. Because I want to crystallize this concept in your mind. And you're going to come up against a lot of different things in your life. And and you're going to remember that we're not just talking about driving our automobile. We're talking about a lot of different things and, and guardrails, and, uh, and I wanted to just to kind of get into your brain, and I'm hoping it is. And, and uh, we started talking about this last week, and Andy Stanley, I borrowed some of his material, and he just has a, a wonderful insight, and part of which we're going to be talking about today and in, in some of the weeks. But, but he first talks about, and he reminded us of physical guardrails and he reminds us that the, these guardrails that we see out there on the road everywhere, and especially on Highway 7, you know, it's, they're just everywhere in different kind of forms. And we've tried to avoid them in our lives, but every now and then we, we kind of see them, and, and in some cases they kind of jump up at us. And the official definition, in the physical sense, official definition of a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from strain into dangerous or off-limit areas. Now, there's a lot of important words in there. This strain into dangerous, This word strain, strain. I want you to keep re- reminding yourself of that word because it, uh, it will help you to understand this full thing. And, and, of course, when we started to talk about it last week, we were reminded, and, and I encourage you to, to think of it in many cases, they're put there to protect us from something worse that's over there, right? Okay, and we could bump into this and it would, it, would, it would hurt, it would scratch, it would do something to our car, it could mess us up a little bit, even in our body, but it wouldn't be as bad as, especially, I like, could say, if this was, is uh, sitting at the edge of a cliff and it wouldn't be as bad to hit that than to, to go over the cliff completely. That's really bad over there. And I reminded you that sometimes these guardrails are put, and actually, if, if the guardrail wasn't there, it would be almost a safe area to drive. But but they these people that engineer this stuff, they say, well, we better take part of that roadway, maybe just a little bit coming back from the ledge and come back a couple of feet, two or three feet, maybe two or three yards, and make sure that this will protect you from the the real serious problems. We always find guardrails actually within the realm of safety, but they help us to to not get really seriously hurt. And so we're going to extend this concept to understanding that even in areas of our life, in our relationship, in our finances, in, our, in dating, for those that may be dating, our, our, our morality, in the way we do business, do ethics, and we need to keep a spiritual sense of a, of a guardrail, something that will remind us that, no, 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 you shouldn't go that far and And we we made up a, a kind of the spiritual definition that we would like to use a personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. Now part of this, what I want you to understand is is this personal standard this will be unique for every one of us. Some of us will say no, this this is as far as I'm going to go on that, on that point. You know, it may be in finances, or it may be in certain kinds of business dealings. You say, no, no, I won't go there. And, And we set a goal in our life where we will personally develop some behavior, some personal behavior patterns that keep us back, and they function as guardrails in our lives. Now, these guardrails in our personal life our culture does not help us with this. You understand? The culture does not set up guardrails for us. In fact is, they bait us. They bait us, and then when, they, when we kind of step over, or someone steps over and has disaster, then they chastise us. For example, how many have seen these Bud Light commercials? I mean they're tricky they're cool. You know when they what is that one where they have all the labels they have to have them all the labels front just I, I, that was a trick I'm glad you didn't notice it. Yes. But but they, they they bait us and, and they say, "You know, you should do this, and they 'll set up little 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 s- simple guardrails they should say, "Oh, you should drink responsibly, but you should get this, you should get this, this, could, and your life will be much better if you have this and you have this in your life and then, when you fall off the cliff, then they kind of say, Well, how come you fell off the cliff you know and and our goal is in in our religious journey is to set up guardrails for us in in a lot of different areas and say we're going to resist that we're going to resist that and uh, now some people would say you know is that sin to do that is it sin to do and and so you know and everybody they kind of want us you know, there's a tendency in our human nature to say, boy, it could be fun. And, and maybe, is it sin or not? Can we do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? Or, but, but I think the better question is in the light of the fact that there's disaster out there somewhere. We need to begin to set up guardrails in our lives in in lots of different rag, uh, ways, and and where the red flag will start to wave and we say, dot, 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 dot. you've gone too far, and 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 they they kind of bounce us and bounce us back, and we're going to talk about a particular area today. But remember, last week we talked about one of the guardrails that begins to happen in our lives is. It is a little voice that begins to come up in our head. Remember when we said about the Holy Spirit that we've invited into us when we become saved? He becomes a part of us. And sometimes there are things that begin to we begin to encounter in our lives and we we didn't see that happening before. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit says... <clears throat> How many have felt that before? Mm, 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 mm. And and it's interesting that you know as as people we we kind of look for boundaries sometimes, but it it's uh, it's very interesting how how some of these kind of bounce up in our spirits. And so today I want to talk about friendships. Now this seems like pretty simple kind of. What is he talking about friendships as it relates to guardrails? And, you know, as I began to, to look at this, and as we began, to, we'll talk about some other things in the future down the line. But at some point in your life, at some point in your life, you're going to find yourself very close to people friends, people that you work with, your amigos, your comrades your co-workers, your fellow students, and you're going to find that these guys are moving in the exact opposite direction that you are. And you see it big time. And it's almost like God is trying to say between the traffic going this way and the traffic going this way, we need to set up a guardrail in between. The road guys would do it. And they would say, you know, we need to do that. And and sometimes this this whole concept, it kind of starts right out as as, as young kids. And and I know some of your parents, you get freaked out, and rightfully so. If your kids start to go with this gang or this, go over to this, maybe this person's house. I want to go over to Joe's place. Joey's house. And if this mother doesn't know what's happening at Joey's house, she says, why do you want to go over there? Oh, we have fun. You know, it's it's great. they are cool kids over there, and their parents aren't there most of the time. What do the parents do? Big red flag. They say, whoa, this doesn't sound cool to me. You know, they start to pull away. And, and, and sometimes parents, they'll say, you know, I want to I watch over, I, I'm, who are my kids associating with? And sometimes we, it's very important to us, even important enough to say, you know, uh, that, that public high school is not good enough for me. You know, I don't think there's enough guardrails there. I'm going to send my kids to Jefferson County Christian School in their new building. It's very cool. Because we want to set up some guardrails there. We know that it, it, it's not perfect. But sometimes we'll say, well, we're going to homeschool. Because we want to watch over that association. When we see people that are going this way and people that are going that way, we say, what can we do to set up some boundaries? And the things that make friendships so cool and so interesting is is that they can also be dangerous. You see, your parents understood that the kids' friendships ultimately influence the direction and quality of their lives. In fact, the friends can actually determine the direction and quality of their lives and, and the kids' lives. And And it doesn't seem like it it's all that possible, but how many parents know it's to be the case? Yeah. yeah. And, and when we understand how, how heavily the influence of friends can have on us, uh, and I, I want to keep talking about that in just a second but the, the things that make friendships so great is the things that make friendships so dangerous. Because when I'm with a friend, I drop my guard. The reason we're attracted to people, certain people, is because we're, we're kind of acceptance magnets. We, we love people that accept us as we are. And then when that happens, we begin to, to drop our guard because we're repelled by rejection, but we love acceptance. And when we, when we begin to feel like we're accepted, when we find the people that accept me, and you're with, when you're with people that accept you, you are the most open to their influence on your lives and and this is a huge principle and uh, acceptance leads to influence you'll never you never heard it stated the way that perhaps i'm doing it today but your kids parents you've seen it happen in your kids lives you've seen it happen in your own lives i close down with rejection i open up around acceptance. And the greatest regrets in our lives oftentimes revolve around the times that we're with our friends more than when we're with our enemies, because our guard is up when we're with our enemies. And sometimes the most addictive uh, things imaginable, addictive behaviors begin with friends, even more than, quote, Non-friends or people that you just um, associate with slightly, you know. Um, the Chi Alpha—I I don't know when—if you remember the, the Chi Alpha man that was beginning the activity, of the Chi Alpha ministry at Youngstown State, and he was with us and was telling us about the 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 effect of the university life on kids, and especially. Christian kids, Christian kids that were 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 right into the Bible. They did their all their Bible stuff. They were in Sunday school. They did all this stuff, and they got and found new friends that began to change them completely, to the point. And uh, was it eighty five percent, Emily? The, the The retention that we have now, they say statistically in the nation, is The church youth, we lose 85% of them to the gospel. Because they they are establishing new friends, they they get in with friends, and then they're influenced by friends, and uh, and almost they don't realize it. Sometimes these kids, after their freshman year, come back and look in the mirror and say, Who am I now? I don't recognize. Because it's, it's amazing what the influence of friends have on us. It's a principle that we just cannot de- deny. And it's not just reserved for adolescents. It happens in all of us. This is true of all of us at some level. And our friends influence the direction and quality of our lives. Is an amen there? Yes. And, and we don't want to believe it. Now, and and i haven't mentioned this to very many people but um, i was in as as most of you know most of my ministry life has been as an assistant pastor and uh, i was in a church setting where the 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 climate the culture was turning and i could be i could begin to see that their attitudes, their general a positive Christian attitude was, was turning negative and cynical. And, and all of a sudden I said, you know, they're looking at church and church family and church ministry and, and they're kind of going in a little different direction than I want to go. And, and I began to say, is that what I want? Is that the way I want to look at it? Am I going to sit there and work there and make a living? And, or am I going to say, you know, maybe I just need to say that's not good. Because, you see, if, if I would have stayed there, I, I could very well see myself beginning to adapt some of those attitudes. Because with my friends, and they were my friends, and they were Christians, and they were going to heaven, and, and it really wasn't the issue. But they began to, to take a different spin that I didn't want to go. And, and so the, the Bible, it, it talks about this big time. In Proverbs chapter 13, and I told you we are going to go there. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. If you've got a minute to look, I want you to remember it. He who walks with the wise grows wise. But the companion of fools suffers what? Harm. Harm. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. You walk with the wise, you become wise. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's the promise. But then the companion. The second part, the companion of fools will eventually suffer harm. That's the warning. Top half of the verse, the promise. The second half of the verse, the warning. You see, wisdom is contagious. It's like staph infection. Man. You know, in the hospitals, and and there was a time when I would go visit Walter, and they would have a a big uh, warning over the door, and they say, you need to put on this gown, and you need to put on this and this and this, and and wear the mask, because there was a, a, a contagious thing, and they didn't want the patient catching what you had, and you didn't, they didn't want you to catch it. It's contagious. And, and Wisdom Church is contagious. You will catch it. If you surround yourself with people that the Bible considers wise, and we'll talk about that in a minute, you will by the nature of proximity become a wiser person by being in the company, walking with, and doing life with the wise. And, you know, as, this is not a negative confession, but as I get a little older, I can remember back on the guys that I walked alongside. I can remember Brother Thomas Trask, who was, was, became the general superintendent. We were with him for nine years, and, uh, and he came as, after we were there. We were actually there first, and then he was elected as pastor, and, and we worked with him. And Brother Tom Trask, he was a genius. He was a super guy, just a regular kind of guy. No, no seminary student guy. But he led that church, and then he led the Assemblies of God for the nation, and and I was honored, and God has just blessed me in this way that I could be able to walk side of, of Thomas Trask, because he had a cool way of buying cars, you know. He was cool, you know, and he always had about six hundred dollars in his pocket, and and if he saw a car, and he well, just a lot of different things, and he was a regular guy, you understand. But, but he was smart and, and he had a great wisdom in church management and, and church style and, and preaching. And, 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 and I was honored to be with him. As, and I could go on with several of the men that I've worked with. And, and I say, wow, yes, it's true. It's true, church. You walk with the wise and you will, you will progress. Now, the walking takes a little while. It's not just say hello to the wise. It's walking. We're walking. We're walking. And, and it takes time. And, and we're going to talk more about that in a second. But, but we, we have to see this. And this scripture reminds us that, that uh, when we walk with the wise, we'll become wise. And let's talk a little bit about uh, what the wise, a little definition for the wise could be. A wise person is someone who understands that all of life is connected. All of life is connected. What I do today will affect what I'm doing tomorrow. What I'm doing this year is, will affect what I'm going to be doing next year. It, it's connected, and so I need to watch what I'm doing today because it connects It connects, and and the friends that I have today, I just, it it, it will have an effect. There's no isolated things. Proverbs 13, we walk with the wise, and and when we walk, we we see the wise person make wise decisions, and we, we understand that that influence, if you put money in the bank, Sarah Danaher knows, if you put money in the bank, it will start to draw interest. And we make deposits, and we, we come along someone who's making deposits in our lives, and, and we see those deposits drawing interest. And uh, the scripture says that it's contagious, it's contagious, contagious as wisdom. Life is connected. Then, the warning, the warning. Let me go back. The companion of fools suffers harm. The, the scripture doesn't say that we become a fool. Although sometimes it might be. But, but it, it's, it, the, the scripture teaches and Solomon teaches is that the, there's going to be some subtle things that begin to happen. The companion of the fool will be, eventually be impacted by the behavior of the fool we say but i'll never do what they do i'll never think the way they think but we will be impacted we will be impacted because the companion of fools whether they ever adopt the lifestyle or not become harmed by what but what happens and uh, i was down at the urban mission the other day and uh, we were getting doing some things in preparation for the service this afternoon and taking some things down. And uh, she had, uh, Reverend Steele, excuse me, I, I, I should say it correctly, Pastor Steele. Um, but they had about six different guys there that particular day, and actually both days, both Thursday and Friday that I was there, about six guys that were doing community service. They were residents, could we say, at the Eastern Ohio Correctional Facility and uh, had their nice little place where they would go be. But they could be released during the day to do community service and the judge had appointed them a certain amount of time that they, they had to require and, uh, to work. And, and as I was fiddling around with stuff in the front of the auditorium, the guys were helping us bring some stuff in. And this one young man came in, and, and he just had bright eyes. You know, it just, it's, it's cool, you know. You could just tell the light was on. And he just hung out. The other guys went back to do what they were going to do. Uh, but uh, but this guy just kind of hung around me. And and uh, after I said, how are you doing? And what are you doing? And so he began to say, you know, I'm out at the correctional facility and uh, with some of my friends, my new friends, I guess. But I asked him, tell me about your life. And he said, well, I'm clean now. And so that kind of led me to the next question. I said, clean now? What were you involved with? And he said, well, well, I was into drugs. And I said, Kyle, how did you get involved with drugs? He said, well, I got with some friends. I got with the wrong group of friends. And Kyle let his guard down. And Kyle most likely knew that he he shouldn't be there and he shouldn't do that. But but his friends were all doing it. You know? And they're probably saying, you know, this little, if you take some drugs today, it won't connect, it won't bother you tomorrow. There's no connection between now and then. And and they said, Well, okay, you're my friend. If you say it must be okay. But It's interesting that uh, when you're with the wrong people at the wrong time, you're going to suffer the consequences. And there's lots of stories out there that people that were riding with friends at the wrong time, at the wrong day, some of them will never walk again. Because they were with friends at the wrong time, you see, and and it's so important that they were influenced. They were starting to move down the wrong road, and uh, and it should scare us to death. It should scare us to death as parents when we see kids that start getting connected. and And as I say, it's not necessarily that the people are 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 heathen big time. They can be Christian people, but but they're just doesn't quite feel right. Um, and, and we'll go on but uh, and talk some more about that in a minute. But it should scare us to death, adults, as we think of the influence that our friends can have on us. The Bible says a fool is a person that knows the difference between right and wrong, but doesn't care. Now, it may sound like a, a kind of a crazy statement, but you can say to a fool, don't you know where that's going to lead? And they say, yeah. Well, doesn't it bother you? No, nah, it'll work out. It'll work out. And, and, and you, you, you can say to a fool, don't you know that if you continue doing that, it, it, uh, it could uh, destroy your marriage? Now, if you say that to the fool, the fool isn't going to say, oh, that's what I should do to save my marriage? Okay, thank you very much, I'll save it. No, you see, the fool, they don't care. They don't care. The scripture teaches, and and most of us have already experienced it, that if your companion, your group, your your amigos, your gang, uh, is full of people that don't care, they live a life, though life is not connected to the next day. What you do today won't affect what happens tomorrow. And they live as life is, is disconnected. And I know most of you know this is, this is not new information to you. Almost every one of you would say, you know, it's good to have good friends. It's good to have good friends. But then you'll say, and I've heard it, but I'm cool. And, and I'm smart, and I'm slick. I can understand what's happening here, and I will guard myself, and I will never go too far. And I'm too connected. I'm too, too, too cool. Too cool. And if, and if you have friends that don't care about their lives, they're not going to be very concerned about yours. You see, um, so many times we say we're cool, but but in the end, we're not strong enough to do what needs to be done. So I want to, in quickly, in in just a few minutes, I want to quickly suggest five guardrails for you in establishing relationships and, and understanding about how friends affect your lives. Uh, first guardrail, and Andy Stanley, he, he put these out, so, and they're so very good. Um, now, some of you will say, even as I start to say about these guardrails, you'll say stuff like, and I've heard this a jillion times, and I'm not exaggerating, but I want to be a ministry to them. I want to help them. So I'll go into the bar, you know, and I can help them. And, 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 and I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm pretty cold, pretty straight to the point, and no compassion for the, the worldly guy, but, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it, it will work. Guardrail number one. Your conscience should light up when it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life moving in. And if you're making excuses about your friends all the time, and they're doing this and this and this and this, but you say, well, I won't do this and this and this and this, but they're nice. You know, they, they like me. They accept me, and and so and, and, and we we'll just kind of, I'm cool. I can do it. You know, they won't affect me. It won't affect me. But, gang, when we see them going in a different direction, in a lot of their thinking, a lot of their thought patterns, and a lot of the way they process stuff, it should be a big red flag. And if. If they're doing stuff in in that is contrary to the way that we look at marriage, the way that we look at finances, adults, and they're they're spending money certain ways, and and that just kind of. I wonder about that. God is saying that can be a guardrail. It can be a guardrail. And and even if we say we can walk in that and that we could say we can be ready to help them and minister to them and maybe give a little testimony here and there. And and I'm saying to you, you can't play with fire without smelling like smoke. And it will catch you. It will catch you. Young and old alike, folks. And, and and one of the reasons that I, I encourage times at church and times in the family, because all of us have times in our lives and groups in our life that we have to deal with. You know, and not every group, maybe a, a group that we have at at, at our work, you know, and, and they're definitely not where you are. You see them going the other way, and and it's almost like it's 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 pulling you along with them. And you, you don't want to go that way, but but you work with them. Now, sometimes we can say, you know, I need to find a new job. But sometimes you can't. And that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm so... I encourage people to to remember about our small groups, our, our prayer times, our, our Wednesday night Bible studies, our, our Wednesday night with the youth. And, and I have a great time with, with our youth on Wednesday night. And, and the Sunday school class, the Sunday school class with the men. And, and you can come together and you can be with groups that are heading the same way you are. And, and even though there'll, there'll be some discussion from time to time and you can learn and they can learn but it's very important the Bible study that Emily has on Wednesday there, there are times that kind of balance out these strange other groups that we have and it's important that, that we have people that we can connect with um, and sometimes we have to intentionally find people that we can connect with that will help us in our journey we were, uh, I was at a, at a meeting of ministers in Columbus on Monday and Gloria and Emily, we all went down and, and one of the interesting things that he pointed out to pastors, pastors that are supposed to, you know, be the, God's gift to everything and know everything, and, but he was reminding the pastors, he said, you need to have people around you in three different categories. And I'd never heard it that way quite before. He said, uh, pastors, and, and there was probably 30 of us in that room, and, uh, and he said, pastors, you need to have somebody or some group that you can talk to that are 15 years older than you. Because there's wisdom up there. You know, they may not look at computers and PowerPoint the way you do, but, but you need to, to listen. And I think that's very good for all of us. We need to be connected with somebody older than us, more experienced in a godly frame than us. And then he also said, we need to be connected with people our own age. You know, we need to have uh, godly influences of our own age because they will, they will move us in certain ways. And then he said, you need to have some way younger balance out. And that's one of the great things I enjoy about Wednesday night now that I'm, I've been going in with the youth activities on Wednesday. And, and uh, Matthew and, and Alex and Kyle and, and uh, Ryan and, and, and some of the guys they, 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 they speak to me and I listen to them and I, I hear what they're thinking. Now that's not to say that I agree with their thinking all the time but they have some good spiritual principles. But but it's it's a good balance to who I am because I I cannot live at, at the plane that I'm at right now. I need to pull knowledge from above, more experience, and then maybe seed into people that are less experienced than me, perhaps, or less along on the spiritual journey. Guardrail number one. Guardrail number two. Your conscience should light up when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are. A guardrail when it comes to establishing friendships. Your conscience should light up when you watch yourself pretending to be somebody you really are not. Sometimes when we're with a group, I pretend. I I kind of exaggerate my resume, as it were. I'm speaking hypothetically here, of course. Um, Or sometimes I kind of ignore certain things. Some of you men may have had your wife say to you, you know what? When you're around them, you're a different person. That's a guardrail. And And sometimes ladies, some of you ladies, your husbands or some of your girlfriends have said, you know what, after you're around them, you come back and you're kind of different. You're not yourself. That should bother you guys. That should bother you. Because if it doesn't, it it begins to show that there's a, well, okay, it doesn't really matter. It'll work out. This is a guardrail. Quickly to number three. Uh, Your conscience should light up when you feel pressure to compromise. When what has never been a temptation before suddenly becomes a live option. It should scare you to death. It's pretty quiet in here. But I've been there. You, 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 something flashes in your mind and say, oh, nobody will know. Nobody will know. And, and I won't go down to the specifics, but there's, there's lots of things in our lives where that, uh, that comes up. And even as it becomes an option, we haven't gone over the rail yet. But it becomes an option in our life. And and that in itself, when we see that happening, when we say what has never been a temptation before suddenly becomes a live option, it should scare you to death. When you feel real pressure, when you begin considering the behavior, you have always you're almost off limits. That's the guardrail. That's the guardrail. My partial guardrail is 12 o'clock, so I'm going to keep moving. Three. Number four. Let Let me move on. Your conscience should light up when you hear yourself, I'll go, but I won't participate. How many times have we heard that? I'll go, but I won't participate. Even as the words come out of your mouth, it could... It should be a a guardrail in your life because you're getting close to the people that you shouldn't get close to. Quickly, I think your mind can spin around these as fast as mine. But number five, your conscience should light up when you hope the people you care about don't find out where you've been or who you've been with. Wisdom says, if, if it bothers me that the people I have respect for and love the most see where I'm at or what I'm doing, and it should scare us. It should scare us. You see, I, I believe God has told us that we can be a help to that group. And as I said earlier, there's, there's part of us that says that, well, if I go with them and I don't participate, I can help when they fall off the cliff. But church, my argument would be that you can help the guys better that fall off the cliff and take a bunch of their friends parachuting with them off the cliff if you're in the safe zone. You're on the other side of the guardrail. And, and I know sometimes in our group settings that people will come up to us and they may say, hey, come on, come on. Oh, and then they'll say, oh, oh, oh I forgot you're one of those Bible thumpers, you know, and, and you won't do that. But it can be very interesting, church that if you maintain your position, that when you say, you know, I won't do that, when they fall off the cliff, they kind of come creeping back to you. They know where the safe zone is. And, 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 and Father, the Heavenly Father, is calling you to a place of safety. A place of safety. You know, I was uh, I was thinking about something else, another thing that I was going to do, and but I got to, started reading the Timothys, First and Second Timothy. Now, even though it's for the church, it it really kind of had a, a primary focus of of Paul talking to Timothy, and he was starting to give him instructions and directions. And it, it just jumped out at me when I ran across, and I read both books straight through. And I said, wow. Wow, is this good? And, and you might want to do that. But the third chapter of 2 Timothy, read it with me and weep. Now, I mean, read it. And I'm going to read it in the, in the uh, message version. Don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. That's, that's important, kind of a, a setting the stage for this. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, doggy dog unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, beloated windbags, addicted to lust, and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they are animals. This is the book. And what does it end up by saying? In the message it says, stay clear of these people. Now, in the NIV, it says, have nothing to do with them. I didn't tell Emily to do the message. But, but, the, uh, but the NIV is good. There are terrible times. People will be lovers. And, and when you saw it, go, but, but it, it, you know, we want to say, well, either we want to be a help to them or it won't bother us we're too cool, we can handle it, and it won't affect me if I just kind of walk along these guys with these guys. And and then we begin to see our language start becoming like their language. We start flipping out a word that sounds like them. It doesn't sound like us. You know, God is saying, hey, church, Proverbs 14 12 and 13. Proverbs 14 12 and 13. Now Emily she did put it in the message this time and uh, but they both versions are good. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. look again. Look again. It leads straight to hell. Sure, these people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. Oh, my. You know, and when you've been in church work as much as I have been, you see it happen over and over. And you say, oh, I wish they would have chosen better friends to be around. I wish they would have stayed connected to the church a little more, that, that maybe the friends of the church could outweigh the friends that they have to work with or be with. And, and I just want to, to alert you to the point that God wants us, he wants us to, to be successful and to, to be victorious in our life because he who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will eventually suffer harm. Nick, if you'd come to the keyboard. I'd like you just to bow your heads. All of us, church, have groups that we have to work with. We we are are working with and and then there's groups that we choose. There are groups that we choose. We can't choose sometimes, many times, most of the time, we can't choose all of the groups that that we have that we have to work with, maybe at school, maybe at work. But but we can be careful and watch the influence that they have on us. And we can begin to try to offset it and, and see where there's opportunities to be able to, to reach out and to, to pull that group that is maybe older and more mature in the gospel, maybe 15 years older, maybe some people of our own age, and maybe even some younger people, that we can influence and help, but we can especially reach out. It's important. I wonder if you'd be so kind. As, as I, I see this as, as so critical in our lives. Sometimes we say it's critical for the youth, the young person because he's choosing friends and stuff. Uh, but it's also important for us older ones as we choose the people that we become friends with. And, and I would like to just pray with you. Would you, just, uh, I'd like, would you mind just coming to the altar? And I'd like to, just if we could just gather around the front. And, and I want to pray that God would protect the body of Christ. Just come on down as Nick begins to sing. To him who sits on the throne
1: and unto
0: the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne Jesus, 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 Jesus. There, there are people in the in this in this collection here, this this group, our our family, that you know, you know, you know, you know that. There is a group of around you that are not going the same direction as you. And, and I, I want to believe that some of you are saying, I have the ability to pull back from that a little bit. They may be your working, they may be your social, they may be people you've seen your citizens go to, to visit with at, at McDonald's with coffee. And you may say, well, they don't talk quite right maybe they're okay that, but you have to decide there's going to be people that you, that you have the ability to pull away from and I'm, I'm believing that God is going to give you the strength to say I need to back away from that and I think some of you even as I've talked today faces and, and groups of people have just jumped out in your, in your mind's eye and you say I don't need to do that I don't need to do that. And, and I want to pray with you. And, and and I would pray that you would say to God, even as I pray, that you're going to say, God, give me wisdom in knowing what to do with these groups. Can I pull my influence back? Can I get out of it completely? Or what can I do? And, and then what can I do to to establish new groups? That some of them which may maybe ones that you start that will be the right influence on you. Would you agree with me? And even as, as you see them, as you know what those influencing groups are in your lives, you're gonna, I'm hoping you're gonna say, I I gotta I gotta pull away. Lord, I I ask as as we look at friends that are in our lives, co-workers sometimes, people that we're around that we kind of like. And some of them are different, but but some of them, some of these groups, they're not just neutral, they're negative influences on us. S- serious negative. And Lord, I believe where they can. Lord, I ask that you help our brothers and sisters up here to say, I'm gonna pull back. I'm gonna pull back from that. I can choose. Better, but for those that cannot, maybe they have to stay in that influence. Lord, I ask that you give them wisdom on how to proceed as godly people of influence, so that they can stay on the safe side of the guardrail. That they can be be uh, recognized as a person that can be reached up to. That is, when they fall off the cliff, they can reach up to these folks because they have held the standard of holiness high unmistakably help them oh god to to know how to deal with that. and then lord help us help us all to to create intentionally groupings that that will will pull us up pull us up to a, a spirituality that where you would like us to function not where we can see how close we can go to the cliff, but how close we can go to you, God. Be with our church family. Be with our Word of Life family. Lord, we believe, Lord, that, that this family here at Word of Life are meant by you to be an influence in the kingdom, a shining light, a resource, a hospital for those that have fallen off the cliff, that w- they can come to us. To your work. Protect us this day. Watch over us and, and the things of this day and this week and we'll be sure to praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Lord, just protect our family. In Jesus' name. Hey, God bless you. If you can be at the Urban Mission tonight at 5, that would be cool. Remember, there are no services on Wednesday.